Hi, everybody. This is Tracy, and I'm delighted you've joined me for this episode of Good Life Stories. I created this podcast because I believe we are all seeking connection, and what better way to do that than through story? So get ready. These stories are meant to suck you in. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Today, I have my friend Jennifer Yu on. Jen is a friend, sister, mother, who also happens to be a technical writer for Amazon Web Services in Seattle. She has a couple of English degrees from a super nerdy college in Cleveland, Ohio, and has lived in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Texas, and Washington. She loves to read long novels and watch scary movies, and she also recently got into kayaking and owns two of them. Jen's been married to her college boyfriend, Vic, for almost 20 years, and they have two kids together. She's got an extroverted personality, loves talking to people, hence the reason I had her on my podcast today. Looking forward to introducing you to Jen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Good Life Stories. This is Tracy. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Jen Yu. And I uh, wanted to just dive right in. We've been catching up this morning about getting ready for Christmas travel and challenges of packing and all the things around that. Um, but when when I was asking you, you know, about all that, you know, I think the things that when we were thinking about an introduction for you, you know, I love all the different places you've lived. I love how you've managed to use your English degree, you know, and go in and do all sorts of other things as well as technical writing and everything else. Like you've just done so many things. Um, and it's been great to get to know you over the years and, uh, be fun to fun to share a little bit more of that. But on your first good life story, you were talking about your first car. Will you tell me about how that happened? Like, tell me more about like first car, like what, what it was and how'd you get it? And, Oh, you know, I think that's a great opening conversation you can have with any adult to say, tell me about your first car. Because there's always going to be a story, right? Yep. And my first car was a 1974 black Volkswagen Super Beetle. Nice. And I bought it when I was a junior in high school. I remember I was... In I lived in Pennsylvania as a young person, and uh, it was the 90s. I was at a coffee shop with a yeah. friend of mine, uh, Damon. And, you know, as you do in the coffee shop, drinking your cappuccino or your Doc Martens, like, yep. it was a very <laughs> 90s experience. It was a coffee shop that was part of a house. Like, it was, you the know. The whole thing. Yeah. And so we're sitting there, and it's like kind of dreary, rainy perfect weather. And we, there's this beautiful black hard top Volkswagen Beetle across the street with a for sale sign in the window. Damon says to me in between sips of his latte and drags off of his camel light, I'm going to buy that car. And I said, you son of a gun, I'm going to buy that car. Like, <laughs> like out of nowhere. Right. I just, I you decided, but <laughs> I could do that. I had never thought about buying a car before. Yep. But the second he brought it up, I'm like, no, I really want that for no yep. reason. That's and so funny. Uh, yeah, and for some reason, I got to be in my bonnet. I called the number on the thing. I I set up a time to go do, give it a test drive, and this thing was just a piece of crap. 
It yep. had a it had a really great stereo system with like an equalizer in it where you could actually wow. see the yeah, you could see the bass and the treble. It had a hole in the back and the floor, shot sparks. I loved <laughs> it so much. I <laughs> loved it. It was six hundred dollars. Nice. Cash Ola. Nice. I had a job. Yep. I I think I borrowed a few hundred from my grandpa at the yeah. time to cover the spread. And uh, yeah, I bought that sucker free and clear. I drove it all through my senior year of high school. I got my senior year photo taken nice. with it. Oh, it was heaven. My favorite thing in the whole wide world. And it was mine, all mine. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. I yeah. Love it, was, it. it was an example of the very first, one of the first times that I had a thought and I turned it into a reality. Yeah. And it was the biggest thing I ever bought. Yeah. Know? Especially then, you know, yeah, yeah, at that time in your life, it's a really big deal. Yeah. I felt like an adult and it was freedom. It was, oh yeah. You know what I mean? We, that's, I mean, it's just such a traditional American thing. Like when you yeah. get your car, because we are so dependent on cars here, we don't have good public transportation in most cities. Yeah. So like, you know, the, the car yeah. is your first step to really becoming it's an your, independent person. It's your ticket, man. It's your ticket to freedom. And I lived in Pennsylvania, so th- that was very rural kind yeah. of part of it. Yeah, the there country. was no option to be doing public yeah, transportation no, to your house no easily. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So Everyone, it was car culture too. So everyone oh, had yeah. their car. They had a summer car and a winter car. Like, nice. It was a whole thing. It was. Fun. I love that. That's so funny to like have a culture that needs that because, or a state, a climate that needs that. Because I'm yeah. like, wait, why would you have a winter car and a summer car? I'm like, oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I just love that car. I was so sad when I had to uh, to sell it. It was not going to survive another winter, and oh. It was a great. How much did you sell it for? Oh, probably five hundred dollars. Nice, nice. Yeah, (laughs) I remember. Yeah, but I mean, you got great use out of it. So really, like you know, a couple years later, only a hundred bucks less is good. You know, immortalized in my senior pictures. Yeah, like nice, perfect. And I've just loved bugs ever since. So when I got my job at Amazon. I had promised myself if I make it through this interview process and I yep. actually get the job, I'm going to reward myself and I'm buying myself another bug. Yep. It was kind of a dream I had had at like, well, when I turn 50, I'm not 50 yet. Yep. When I turn 50, I want to buy this. And then it was like, no, no, when I, when I, when I get this thing, cause then I'll get big. Yeah. Or whatever. And then I totally did. And it was another thing where it was like, I looked, I found one in Kirkland, same nice. color, except this one was a convertible. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> with the leather seats. And I went and I was by myself. I mean, I, I took, I took yeah. Linda, but you know, there wasn't any, in both cases, there was no um, parent or man yep. that bought the car with me. Yeah. It was a, that was the other piece that I, that right. I really felt accomplished because I did this a hundred percent by myself. Yep. And that was such a confidence boost, right? Yeah. To, be, to know like, wow, I guess I am capable of doing this without anybody. Without anyone's help. Without anyone's help. And that is an experience that I wish every young person could have, but especially women. Yeah. Like yeah. if you've never bought a car by yourself with your own money, Please yeah. put that on your list of oh, things to do. 
before yes, you die. Because every time you drive it, it feels different than cars you did the other way. I mean, <laughs> compared to me driving my minivan versus driving my bike, yeah. there's no comparison. There's yeah, no there's comparison. also just a lot of fun factor built into the new car well, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. exist in the minivan. I mean, yes. They don't make convertible minivans. No. <laughs> <laughs> but to know that that you own something free and clear it's 100 percent yours yeah it is your yeah it's your job it's your responsibility to maintain it and the whole thing but it's a joy yeah because you this is yours you own yeah. it it's, it's a whole different vibe so yeah i uh i encourage every woman who has not yet purchased a car completely and 100 percent on her own to please consider that because yeah. and make Put it, it a fun car make it a a stupid frivolous no point i live in washington state and i have a convertible yep car because <laughs> tomorrow isn't promised to anyone and amen. uh amen joy enjoy life yes so, yeah yes. So that's the one of the things that made me feel the most accomplished in my life thus far nice yeah so far yeah. so far so i think it's so fun that when we you know we think about when I ask people to send me their three life stories that they want to talk about, they all approach them differently. Mm. And it's funny because to me, it seems like a question that I would get a, a consistent response mm -hmm. and everyone lists them differently. Everyone talks about them differently. Everyone gives me different amounts of detail. And so it's so fascinating. Cause like for you that you've got them listed by different kind of categories you know, and for you, the first one, buying your car was your best achievement. Like the mm -hmm. thing you, you know, have that pride around in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. You know, your second was your worst failure, mm -hmm. which I think, whoa, I don't even know if I've thought about what my worst failure was, much less to, much less to offer it up to have a conversation around it. Like, wow, just yeah. go be brave, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're a good friend, so I trust you. And I think yeah. that those are the, the conversations that are absolutely worth having yeah. and that are the most interesting that people will get the most out of. Yeah, because, totally. You know, like, of course, yeah, that, that's great for Jen. She bought a bug. Yeah, that's great. Like, you know, that made her happy, da, da, da. But like, what is more interesting is a time that Jen failed. <laughs> Big time. So there let's we go. So to, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, let's hear about that story. So I think failures, of course, always teach us something, whether we want them to or not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this I feel one they sometimes continue to offer repeated lessons. You know? Yeah, and sometimes they offer repeated <laughs> lessons. Thankfully, this one has a has a happy ending, and I didn't have to repeat it too often. Excellent. Um, I learned a lot about myself, right? Mm, through failure. Yeah. So through my achievement, I learned that I can buy a car by myself. And that makes me very happy. I have found a thing that is like, cool. This is amazing. Yeah. Through my biggest failure, I learned that I can really, that sometimes things just aren't fair. Yeah. No matter what you do. Yeah. And it can knock you on your butt. So. Mm -hmm. So this story was back in the early 2000s. I was getting my master's degree in English. Yeah. So I'd already got my bachelor's from uh, in English 
from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, super nerdy private engineering college in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Loved it. And I loved all my English classes so much that I just started taking grad level classes as a senior. So I was halfway to a master's degree already. Yes. Senior year when I graduated. So I'm like, hey, I'll just take one more year, take a few more classes, um, take my master's exam, finish up, and hey, I've got be on my another way. degree in a year. Yeah. You know, normally it just takes normally takes you two. So going into the you know, the last year of grad school, I was, you know, taking classes, reading books, developing course curriculum for like minority literatures. I was teaching classes. There was a one funny story where I taught an African American literature class as the only white person in the class. And the professor was sick and he said, come teach the class. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, I don't know. I'm really sick. And I'm like, here we go. Let's do this. So that was a fun experience. Yeah. Wait, tell me more about that. Like, what was that about? Um, So what was cool? What was really, what was fun about it? What was fun about teaching? But that moment. That moment. Um, uh, We were studying the works of Cotton Mather who was, um, not Cotton Mather, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name. He wrote A Rage in Harlem, and I guess I could look him up. Um, he was a, a he was an African-American writer from Cleveland, and he we were studying all of his, he wrote a lot of uh, hard-boiled crime novels. So it wasn't your typical African-American literature class where you're, doing like roots by Alex Haley or beloved yeah, yeah. Um, or, or though it wasn't like literary works. It was yeah. like hard boiled crime fiction from like the thirties. Nice. So, Lots of complicated stuff yeah. in those stories. Chester Himes. Sorry. I don't know why I said nice. cotton mother. Please okay. that. Chester Himes. Anyway, I wrote this whole lesson plan around the anatomy of a gun and presented it to the class and I had such a blast doing it yeah and I remember standing up there and just looking at this sea of faces who were like staring at me like what and I'm like hey professor Ellis is sick you got me today I'm gonna do my best and let's do this we had great class great conversation you know it was fantastic yeah it was fantastic so. That's amazing. Yeah, but, I got what a fun experience to just get thrown into and do well. You yes, know? Uh, that happens to me a lot. <laughs> That's true. This this does not surprise me. You always seem to land on your feet. Yes. So, anywho, you know, I had a year of, of that. Those experiences they weren't terrible. And then at the very end, and and suffice to say, I'm getting A's on in every single class. Right, know, right. The whole thing, right. <sighs> Their English department did not let me do a master's thesis, which is a big, long 50-page. Right, what you normally do at the end of your uh-huh. master's degree. No one wanted to read it. No one had time. They were undefended, blah, 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 Crammy River. Um, so they said, okay, we're going to have this exam that you take, which was a blue book exam for you young people. Blue book is a bunch <laughs> of books that you write with your hand and a pen for three solid hours. And they read it and then they grade it. So it was 15 novels I had to read to prepare for it. 
they were going to ask me three questions. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the a, only guidance. I had a class like that. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. So this is, this is where grad school breaks your brain. No kidding. Fifth, yeah. oh, wow. It's not for the faint of heart. No, definitely not. Well, and especially for you, I think it sounds like you were mentally preparing during that second year to do a thesis. I could have done one yeah. very, so, easy, very easily. Right. And so yeah. instead, you know, getting thrown into an yeah. exam situation instead, it's like, yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was, is I got, you know, in a room with like two other grad students who were taking it, did my three hour long exam, three questions. I read all the novels, obviously, um, came back waiting, waiting, waiting for the results Thought I did well. I mean, just the, the butterflies, the anxiety, like my stomach yeah. was a churning mess the oh, whole time, sure. the big test. Now I had never gotten lower than like a C in anything in my right. life. Right. And I remember sitting at my work study job at the law school and checking email, checking email. And the email came back about right. my exam results. And I'll never forget, it was like a two-line email. Hey, Jen, this is Professor So-and-so. We got your uh, exam and you failed. What? Yep. You missed a question. You didn't answer it all the way. And I failed. Oh. So I just bawled. No kidding. Yeah. I think I probably fell off my chair and just bawled because it was like the worst thing that I was completely unprepared for. I had never experienced failure on that level before because what that meant was that I didn't get my master's degree. I couldn't walk at graduation. All the things. (laughs) I had like all the plans I had had. Right. Poof. Gone. So, I could take the exam again in six months. Six months. I guess there's more time for 15 novels. You know. <laughs> Good Lord. It was crazy. There was nothing to be done. Right. Um, so I, what I learned is that um, sometimes academic departments will screw you over for no reason. Mm, I've got a good one about that too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you can choose to say, well, forget it. Um, I had options. I could have said, nope, forget it. I'm done with you. I'm done with this school. I don't want to do this again. Yeah. I don't want to do this again. I I tried. I guess I haven't. I'm not cool enough, so I'm not going to do it. I could have applied to another grad school, transferred. I don't know. Um, Or wait six months and retake the exam. Those are like the three avenues I picked. Yeah. So I picked option three. I stuck it out, waited six months, retook the exam. But I can say that um, this time they let me take it at home. Like I could take the, the blue book back. Yeah. Um, and I did. And I said, I was like, you know what? 
since they don't seem to care about how well I had done before, I'm going to have one of my best friends at the time read my answers and phone a friend. Yeah. And I totally did. And I didn't, I don't feel the least bit bad about it. No. At all. And no. she helped me and she pointed out a couple things and I passed the exam. Wow. <laughs> and I walked and I graduated and now I have my master's and the whole thing. Yeah. But hard, I can tell you, man, <laughs> yeah, part, it was, it was the toughest thing. I, I felt like the biggest loser in the world. Yeah. Uh, just the, my anxiety was so high and then my depression was so deep because yeah. it was like who I was. Right. 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 And I'm supposed to be this smart person who can like teach a class in African-American literature about the anatomy of a gun, but it didn't matter. All that stuff didn't matter. I missed right. a question on an exam. On a, a test. I yeah. am, I am completely a failure. I didn't read a, a novel for months. Oh, I'm sure. I couldn't read I wouldn't. A book. I mean, yeah. Do you know what the first book I read was after that happened? It, it was I love it. It'll be mental floss, total mental floss. Yes. The first <laughs> book I read was I went camping in the Allegheny National Forest yep. with an old, with some high school friends of mine, and I read The Hobbit. Nice. Okay, but like Tolkien's so not mental floss, but talk about a good thing to come back to. But that's what brought me back, man. Yeah. From the abyss. Yeah. And it was like, okay, we got this. Okay, like, I'm, I'm okay again. I can yeah, read. I can yeah. read. And it, well, you can read and enjoy it. Yes. You know, I mean, there's so much to yeah. all that, that like when you have something that kind of has been your passion and your love sort of feel like it betrayed you. You know, even though it wasn't the reading and the studying, it was, you know, an exam, but like that whole process was so deeply ingrained in those, in those books and about the books and all, you know, all yeah. that. That'd be so awful. Yeah. So it's one of those things that I have a real strong reaction to tests and exams and things that where everything hinges on this one thing. I n I'll never agree with that. You got to look no. at the whole collective no. and to yeah. literally deny somebody a degree because of one thing when the rest of their body of work is literally a 4.0. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's a game. It's all a fun little game and you get that 30,000 foot view and you're like, all right, fine. I'll play your game. <laughs> I'll play your game. That was the, that was the option that worked for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was already in it. I had already done all the things. And I think at the second time around, they think they probably woke up and realized like, Oh man, we goofed up with this one. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and I also just think, I mean, how could you, how could you give a, a master's degree exam and have something that small yeah. be what, what you said? No. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a degree the, to somebody who like missed. Right. I mean, the, like, I mean, because for you, I feel like even if they had just given you a C on it, that yeah. would have been brutal. Yeah. In and of itself. Yeah. But like just failing you, like that's. Yeah. Hinging, a, hinging the degree on the exam. Yeah. Is it really should have just been. I could see it as a. I yeah, could like, see it as a completion exercise 
with sort of a bar. Yeah. But in the sense of complete pass fail, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I'm with you. I I hate stuff like that where it's trying to sum somebody up in, in one moment because that's not how life works. No, it really isn't. You know, it really isn't. You're not an Olympic athlete. You know? No, no, it's true. It's <laughs> and it, even for them, there's a million competitions along the way. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. And so I, um, I took that learning to learn about myself and to know, like, you know, I can survive failing things, which I didn't really know about myself before. Mm. It helped me as a parent watching my kids fail at stuff earlier than I did. Yeah has given me that empathy where it's like, oh no, it's totally cool. The stakes here are so low. Like right. they couldn't be lower because you want to hear a time about the time when mommy failed at something where the stakes weren't low and she yeah. had no experience at failure. So it took her a right. long time to get over it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing, like, you know, when we talk to the boys a lot about failure is the, I want you to fail while Mm -hmm. you're still living at home. Yeah. So that if nothing else, we can do just what you did, which is, Mm -hmm. Hey man, I know this stinks, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've been there. Yeah. I get it. You're going to be all right. You know that, but just having that experience younger. Well, and not making it part of your identity. Right. Do you know what I mean? If you go through life where everything is an A and everything is easy and you are this, this is your identity now. So the minute you fail, and guess what? Everybody does at yeah. something <laughs> at some point. That's how life is. Yes. It doesn't completely crack the foundation of your identity. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's you know. good to fail young, early, and often. Yeah. So it, and to me, like, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Because you should be failing at something. You should be, you should suck at something and be okay and, yeah. at sucking at something. Yeah. And to me, like, you should be failing at something like all the time. You know, like, <laughs> we don't want you failing at work your- all the time. But in the sense of like, yeah. you should be trying something new and sucking at it. Yeah. You know, or you should be trying, you know, to, to do something different and realizing, you know, like, because I forget, you know, we forget how hard it is to start something completely new. Yeah. And, and we get so such... afraid, right? To start new things. Cause you're like, well, I'm not going to be good at it. I can already tell you right. I'm going to suck at it. Well, right. yeah. Like be okay. if you have had other failures where you started and you sucked and then you got better, you yep. have grown as a human and now you're not afraid to try new things. Yeah. Well, and but it's if, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the stuff like, and I think it was Tim Ferriss was talking about how, you know, kind of the 10,000 hour, Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, when I think about that, if I'm being hard on myself about a new skill, like for me, I keep coming back to piano, and I still stink at it, but I Mm -hmm. still love trying. Mm -hmm. But I realize, like, okay, how many hours, like, if I'm talking about 10,000 hours, how many have I probably spent? I'm like, oh, probably 200. Okay, no wonder I still suck. You know, it just sort of gives me some like point of reference, like, how much time have I actually put into this? And, and that gives me just that that moment of like, ah, it's, it's okay to still suck, you know? And it's like, uh, you know, maybe I'll never be amazing, but in the sense of having that reasonable expectation of myself, like when I have sporadically touched something, Mm -hmm. 
you know, very inconsistently for eight years, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to improve. And so yes. you know, just knowing that that's, you know, every when you're going back and starting over every time, you're really yeah. kind of starting over every time. Kind of, although you do have a little bit more experience, yep, and a little more gas in the tank. And also it's good to just check in with yourself to be like, do I still like this? Now, the yeah. piano, you do still like trying it. Yeah. And then, you know, hey, I'm going to keep pursuing this. I still like it. Yeah. One of the things to that we learn is what are the things that I'm okay dropping because right. I suck at it. Oh, oh, but yes. not because I suck at it, but because it gives me no more joy. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a tool I've worked with that's called the Rhythm Rhythm Register, and it was made by a guy named Darren Hardy. Mm. And it was a really interesting tool because the concept basically is you list out all the things you believe you want to get done this week. Mm. And then you kind of give yourself a goal for like how many times each week you would like to try and do that thing. Mm -hmm. So let's say, you know, it's, you know, get up early and meditate. You want to do that for three days this week. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the week, you give yourself a score, like, okay, did I get it three out of three? So that would mean your variance was zero. Mm -hmm. If you did it four, you'd get positive one. If you did it two, you'd get a negative one. And then you kind of look at your score at the end of the week to see like, are you tracking in a positive or negative direction? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a a really fascinating exercise. But what I learned from that using that tool Mm -hmm. was exactly what you just talked about, that there were things that I kept putting on there and I never did them. Mm-hmm. And so I had to actually sit with it every single week and say, why do I keep putting that on there? Yeah. First of all, like, what's the reason I'm putting it on there? Yeah. And then, you know, why am I not doing it? Yeah. And some of it was just what you were talking about. Like, it didn't either bring me any joy or maybe I didn't have bandwidth for it. Like, there was something that, like, And it made it so cool because using that tool, I was able to actually take some of those things off the list and set them aside confidently because I was able to like, I am, I'm going to stop beating myself up for not doing that because I don't actually want it. Yeah. I just kept telling myself I should, you know, there's the part of you that says you should do this. And then there's the part that's saying you're not doing this because you don't actually want to do this. Right. Talk to this guy over here. Cause (laughs) talking because you're proving that like, this really isn't something you want to do. Cause I'm avoiding it. it. Yes. Yes. It's a whole, you know, we all, we're just learning more about ourselves. It's an endlessly fascinating exercise because yeah. we're always changing yeah right and the thing that you love doing back in the day is a different thing today yeah. and life is different and so I say just be open but like don't afraid to take stuff off your I should be doing this list yeah yeah if you're avoiding it there might actually be a bigger reason yeah. Own it. <laughs> and it might be because you just genuinely don't want to and it's okay to not want to Claim your disinterest. I don't like this. <laughs> yes. Anymore. Claim your disinterest. <laughs> oh my gosh. I okay. love it. Okay. So for you, so we did best achievement car, mm-hmm. worst failure masters, mm-hmm. or I should say, you know, the failure was the first masters, not the second where you got it, but then worst mistake. Mm-hmm. So I'm so curious about this story, because you said that your worst mistake was falling in love with a broken bird. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you did not actually fall in love with a bird. No, that's a metaphor <laughs> for a person. 
So which which bird did you fall in love with? When when was this in your life? How old were you? I was hang on, memory is cloudy. Yeah. I was in high school. I was a sophomore, so sophomore, I will so say 15, 15 maybe. Yeah. 16, yeah. And I fell in love with a a person who did not love me back properly. Yeah. Um broken bird because they were not equipped in life with those skills. Yeah. So only child, divorced parents, um, not a lot of money, um, you know, younger sibling who actually died in infancy. So mother was very much um, putting Lots a lot of in- energy into him. Also, yeah. dad not around. So he had to be kind of the partner of yeah. that. Yeah, he had to be the, the the male lead in the family. You know. Yes, yes, and and all that that came with, and and here I come with my you know leave it to Beaver upbringing, two <laughs> two married parents, you know, comfortable middle class suburban upbringing, um, just a happy go lucky, you know, no major deaths of siblings, you know, right. in my that I that I was around yep. for, you know. Just, just super stable, kind of a right. thing. Quite right? boring in comparison. Yeah, yes. no, no major drama. Um, in in comparison, in comparison. So, yeah, what I learned from that is, it was a mistake. Insofar as I assumed that because I was lovable and I had love to give that that love would be reciprocated. Yeah. And that was my mistake to believe, um, to assume something. Yeah. And you could say, oh, you didn't know you were just a kid and da, 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 da. And like, yeah, sure. Um, but the reality was, is that when I assumed that, um, I set the, I set everything up for a, a big crash at the end. Yeah. You know, I got hurt. He got hurt. It affected my future relationships in terms of trusting people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, trusting myself not to completely lose myself in someone again. Yeah. You know, yeah. is this who I am? You know, back to identity. Right. The person who never failed at anything, Tracy. Uh, Yeah. Right. Because this is pre-master's degree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You'd think I would have learned. But that was academics. That was like. totally separate. Academics are separate, right? Yep. Sure. Um, Also, it was the very first relationship I ever had. Yeah. So you've got. You think that's that it's everything. That this is it. perspective wise you know for you you know coming from a stable family you know of parents who loved each other you know on some level you were looking at this and thinking oh this is what this is this is you know this is totally cool I can do this this is how it is this is great yeah and boy howdy yeah I I need to go back this Christmas and apologize to my parents again 
I'm so sorry I put you through this. Yeah. I bet that was was not fun to watch. And and I was probably pretty awful. <laughs> oh yeah. I was the worst. No one could understand my pain and I yeah, I mean that I think that's the thing that, you know, especially, you know, with both of us having teenagers right now, mm. you know, doing everything I can to remember. Yeah. That we have to go to some dark places. But like, even if it's just trying to have that tiny bit of memory and perspective Mm -hmm. around how large these things feel at 15 to 18. Yeah. When they're the first big or where you're getting time away from the things you want to do and, you know, looking back at, I mean, oh, I was awful i mean the this there like i was literally like there was a vacation my parents wanted to take me on amazing vacation with my family like really mm-hmm. special all the siblings were going to be there and when mm-hmm. i look back it was the actual last vacation we took with all of us mm-hmm. and i think my parents kind of knew that this was our last shot to do this yeah. i was awful i was just like what did you do tracy you know Oh, I'm, I have to, you're making me, I probably had a boyfriend at the time, you know, so it was the, I have to be gone for how long? And it just, I remember (laughs) it literally felt like the world was ending Yep. because I had to be gone for a week. Yeah. And I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And, and I remember how brutal that was. Yeah. And while your kids won't believe you that you get it, you know, it at least is a a good reminder for me on that. And for you, like what you're talking about, like falling in love with the wrong person, Mm -hmm. that just having that empathy for teenagers when they're going through that, because it does feel like the world is ending. It doesn't, you don't have perspective. You know, this is the first time this has happened, or this is the, this is, you know, and it's interesting when I was talking to somebody about this for kind of stuff that's happening with teenagers and as things evolve, mm-hmm. that part of the reason that we all kind of go back to our teenage years as a special time for most people, you know, whether even positive or negative, like it's a significant time mm-hmm. is because it's where your brain starts writing these stories mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah. Because that there's so much learning that's Mm -hmm. happening, just like you were talking about, like this impact, this relationship impacted the rest of your relationships, period. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it didn't, you know, positive or negative, but it impacted them, you know, just it impacted them. And, you know, even if it was just because you learned something great, it it still had an impact. You know, there's no way to go back, but there's no way to make a relationship after that. Mm-hmm. feel the same because mm-hmm. it's the second time or the third time. And like, I feel like we forget that novelty factor and how mm-hmm. important that novelty factor is in, uh, in making it feel so precious, you know? Oh yeah. There is nothing like the very first time that you just light up in another person's presence. It's like, yeah. if there's a record, there are no grooves in the record and the needle drops. Yes. Oh, that's such a good description. Yes. And for the rest of the rest of your days, you have that record. 
Right. And it there's plays. no unwriting it. Yeah. There's no unwriting. And those grooves are in here on a little brain that hasn't fully formed. Yep. Like this is gone. It's offline. It didn't come back online for 10 more years when I was 15. <laughs> didn't come back online until I was in my twenties yep. when I met Vic. And so it's got those little, like, I don't know what, I don't know what was going on, but yeah. boy, oh boy, it's one of those things. So, so to the only wisdom I can pass on to my kids, which I try to, but they're teenagers and I'm dumb right. and no one wants to listen to me, but maybe someday. I, all I want to tell them is like, listen, you are the product of two parents who are still married. Yep. All right. So right out of the gates, 50% of your peers are, are not that. Yeah. Okay? So right out of the gate, you're different. So yeah. you're coming with expectations based on what you've seen between your parents. We all do. Half of your peers do not have that. Okay. Yeah. You do understand that if you are going to be with somebody who doesn't have a very similar setup like you, you're going to make assumptions. Those are going to be wrong. Yep. And I'm sorry. That's that. that, it, it, that just is is. How it is. That is how yeah. it is. Um, so you might want to adjust your assumptions because you're going to come out this person with all this love. You're like a little love monster. Yeah. You just want to put your love on us. This person, they might not be able to handle yeah. how darn lovable you are. And that's mm-hmm. going to hurt you deeply because that yeah. means who you are. Yeah. So. Yeah. Unlike a master's exam where, you know, you fail it six months later. Okay. You take it again. You pass, you win. Right. Reset. You, know. but you, you never really sucked. It was just a bad situation kind of thing. Yeah. Um, relationships are different, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's for sure. Oh, that's other people, sure. man. But yeah, those, those ones that are a little bit, you know, those broken birds, man. You just want to save them all. Yep. You want to you want to catch them all. Save yep. them all. Save them all. Oh, yep. but boy, save oh boy, be careful. Yeah. Be careful. It'll sure. break you right back. Yeah. When you weren't broken to begin with, but you'll get there. Yep. They might they might issue a couple of cracks to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't get out of those unscathed. No. You, no. That's you get a lot sure. wiser. Yeah, that's for sure. Not unscathed. So that's for sure. it's one of those. It's just one of those things that. I wish that people didn't have to experience it to learn mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I wish that I could have, ex- I wish I could have known that without having to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's for sure. That's you know? for sure. Thanks so much for listening to good life stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at goodlifestories.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Please subscribe and consider rating and reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help others connect to us. Who do you know with a good life story? I would love to hear from you. Good Life Stories, creating connection one story at a time.